It's not even been a week, and Donald Trump is already back, baby, opening the office of the former president to issue statements from Paul Beach as he remains barred from social media. Now, I'm not entirely sure what the office of the former president can and will do. I guess the general idea is Trump wants to continue pursuing his policy agenda, and many have speculated that Trump will be a kingmaker. That's right. When someone wants to run for office on the Republican ticket, Trump can say that's the person to vote for, and then people will. But I'm not entirely convinced that'll be all that effective. It is, it's interesting to see Trump still staying in the spotlight, not going away. It's certainly great news for the media, who's probably already panicking. Now they're probably excited they can still talk about Trump. But in the end, when you look at 2018, you, when you look at the midterm elections, and when you look at the runoff in Georgia, without Donald Trump on the ticket, these people didn't fare all that well. So I'm not sure Trump will actually be that kingmaker. Now, there's other conversations about the Patriot Party, a third party which will rival the GOP. Many conservatives are concerned, Republicans are concerned, that if the party splits between the MAGA Patriots and the Republicans, then Democrats will just win everything. I don't think so. I think I think that's wrong. I think many of these Trump supporters aren't going to vote anyway. So why not just try something? But we'll see. We'll see. There's FEC filings for the Patriot Party. And Donald Trump is actually distancing himself from the Patriot Party, which will be interesting. I think what happened was Donald Trump was talking about doing potentially a third party. People got wind of it through the news. And then a bunch of people said, we're going to start it up first in best dressed. And then Trump was like, no, no, we're not working with them. I think it's a huge loss opportunity if Trump doesn't go for the Patriot Party. We'll talk about this, though. I am bullish on a third party. A lot of like, like I mentioned, Republicans are like, no, no, we'll lose that. Eh, you're going to lose anyway. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but look at the runoff elections without Trump on the ticket. Yeah, got nothing. And I think the Democrats are going to continue to press forward. I guess they're saying that 2022 will be Republican because people will there'll be a backlash. We'll see. But it would be a wasted opportunity. Let's read the news from Business Insider to say Trump opened an office of the former president to issue statements from Palm Beach as he remains barred from most social media. Former President Trump has opened a new office of the former president. And, and like I said, they're basically saying he's going to pursue his agenda. We'll read this. But before we move forward, make sure you go to TimCast.com and become a member to help support my work and make sure that when we invariably get banned, then uh, you'll still be able to get our content. I know a lot of people like to say, Tim, you're not going to get banned. You're too tepid. It's not true. Facebook shut down my page. They put restrictions on it, which effectively makes it pointless to post. Posts don't go anywhere. It's just completely dead. The channel's done, gone on Facebook. I never really cared anyway, because I didn't really use Facebook all that much. But I did have hundreds of thousands of people who followed me there. And now there's no point in posting because they're not going to see the posts and I can't do anything with them anyway. So believe me when I say the purge is real. It's coming. And, uh, you know, if you want to support my work, go to TimCast.com. We got a post about uh, the Portland mayor pepper spraying some dude and we're all making fun of him. And then we actually have this behind the scenes video where Alex Jones raids Luke Rutkowski's RV and wakes him up. It's funny. And uh, seriously, it, we're, we're trying to make sure that in the event there's a mass purge, we survive it. So greatly appreciated for your support. Business Insider goes on to say, on Monday, a number of journalists received the first missive from the office, which pledged to carry on the work of the Trump administration. Quote, today, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, formally opened the office of the former president. The statement said the office will be responsible for managing the president Trump's correspondences, public statements, appearances, 
and official activities to advance the interests of the United States and to carry on the agenda of the Trump administration through advocacy, organizing and public activism is brilliant. It really is brilliant. The office of the former president. Now, some people are saying, Trump, you can't just come out and announce your shadow presidency publicly. It's not how it works. You got to keep it a secret. Otherwise, it's not a shadow government. And I don't think it's actually a shadow government. All the people accused, a lot of people accused Barack Obama of running a shadow government. Sure. Look, former presidents, especially younger ones with influence like Obama, are going to hang out and tell people what they want them to do and what they think is a good idea. And Barack Obama remains widely popular. Former presidents are allowed to give opinions and give advice. That's just reality. Donald Trump is now going to be doing the same thing. Of course, you're going to see the left start screaming that Trump is trying to form a shadow government and he's a fascist and he won't go away. Why? Mostly because the media was really scared that without Donald Trump, their jobs are over. Me, I don't know. I'll talk about whatever. I talked about Biden the other day. I'll talk about Biden. I'll talk about Democrats. We'll talk about cultural issues. We got some some crazy stuff about GameStop and Wall Street bets. I just talk about what I think is important. But in this regard, Donald Trump is going to remain active in the public spotlight. And I think it's a great thing. I think it's brilliant. Conservatives desperately need organizing power. And Trump is bringing that to the right. Now, more importantly than any of this, though, conservatives need cultural power. The Daily Wire is doing movies. That's brilliant. But y'all need to get on your game. Just having Trump come out and and organize for you is not going to be enough to compete with movies and video games when they're getting woke. And even if they are going broke, they're still there. And if you want to play a video game, you're going to get what you get. Remember when that Battlefield game came out and it had some like purple haired lady with a prosthetic hand or something? And people were like, is this Fortnite or is this World War One? I? I don't know, you know. So that's the that's the point. People are going to there's a there's a really interesting tweet. I'll put it this way. Where someone says a black woman invented the telescope. I know you may have seen evidence to the contrary. I know you may believe that it's not true, but a black woman invented the telescope and you need to ask yourself, is this worth losing my job over? The, the post was being sarcastic, but was making that point. It's a really, really good point that if you start saying no and rejecting this fringe ideology and this, this cultural shift, they'll call you a bigot, a white supremacist, a racist, and they'll try and take your job away. It's very easy to get targeted by the mob. And then big corporations are scared because they don't want to get targeted and they'll disavow and they'll, they'll cut you off. That's the future we're headed towards unless conservatives get on the culture game. But I'll tell you this, okay? Organization is one of the most important things. We got that now from Trump. They say the new office's logo, which you can see in the tweet below, also appears to be a black and white copy of the logo of the executive office of the president of the United States. It does. Trump left D.C. for his Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach on the morning of January 20th just hours before the inauguration. In the run-up to his departure, a number of reports detailed how Trump was mulling over a series of career moves to pursue in his civilian life. Trump was said to be considering reviving his TV career, building a $2 billion presidential library, launching a TV or social media network, or running as for president again in 2024. I think that's likely. You know, we'll see. Since becoming an ex-president, Trump has kept a low profile. I'd, I'd like I'd like to point something out, too. There's a funny meme that the uh, people over at the Donald were sharing. They said Donald Trump announces he's opening the office of the former president. Q didn't predict that one. I've had so many. So many, I've seen so many people and I've had a few people just like posting all of this crazy Q stuff. And no matter how many times I tell them it's not true, they just don't want to believe it. They're like, Donald Trump will be president. Uh, no, he's now even calling himself the former. Yeah, but he's not serious. It's meant to just trick people. <laughs> He's calling himself the former president. Joe Biden's been inaugurated. What more do you want? Perhaps they want Trump to run again. 
Trump does want to run again, says former acting intelligence chief Richard Grinnell. Of course, Trump does. That's why they may impeach. They may convict him uh, for his impeachment. Trump has been impeached. The Senate trial is going to be happening, I think, in like a week from now. They might impeach him. There's some rumors. I think it was uh, I can't remember uh, who, who put this out there. They might they may do a secret vote. That way, Republicans can vote to convict Trump to keep him out so he can't run again. And then they can pretend like, oh, no, it wasn't me. Don't look at me. I didn't do it. And no one will know. But I tell you this, that would be Republican Party suicide. That's what I'm talking about right now. Listen, Richard Grinnell came out. He told Newsmax Saturday that the president personally a number of times says he does want to run again. We also have a video where Trump says we're trying really hard to keep to, to win this one. And if we don't, we'll see you again in 2024. So I think Trump does want to. I don't know if he will, though, because like, let's be real. Trump is going to be uh, he'll be like eight. Well, how old is he? Seventy seven. He's going to be like 80. Is, is it Trump that old? He'll, he'll be. It's just, you know, he's already a really old dude. Anyway, they go on to say Grinnell reiterated that he hopes Trump will campaign in 2024 as a member of the GOP, given that he is currently the head of the Republican Party. Another former Trump administration figure on the same news segment, Sebastian Gorka, mocked HBO host Bill Maher and some Democrats for recently equating Trump's Patriot Party movement to the rise of Germany's Nazi Party. <laughs> Jeez, man. Bill Maher, calm down. Dude's got Trump derangement syndrome. The Patriot Party is never going to be the biggest. Well, I should say for now, won't be the biggest party. But I think they have to do it. Why? So there's this rumor of a secret vote, right? Where what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to put up Trump on trial. Trump's struggling to find a defense attorney, or a defense lawyer, I guess. And then they're going to say, OK, nobody tell anyone who you voted for. All of a sudden, then you'll see Trump convicted. The Republicans will all in unison say, which one of you did this? Because because I supported the president. Don't look at me. All that means is that when regular Americans go to cast their ballots, they're going to assume you all did it. All of you did it. There's no point in a secret vote, okay? So maybe it won't really happen. Maybe it's just a rumor. If you do a secret vote, you are throwing every single Republican out the window, figuratively. That People are going to just, I just going to assume it was every single one of them that did it, and this was just a ruse, and they're not going to vote for him. More importantly, they ain't going to vote for you anyway, dude. Look, I vote a Republican this time around, so when you see those numbers, that's, that's including people like me. I don't like Republicans. I've never liked Republicans. I guess, I guess Ron Paul and, and Rand Paul. Um, but they're like libertarians, let's be honest. There's, there's, there's only a small handful of politicians, but I'll, I'll be completely honest. I think there's more good Republicans than Democrats. There's some, uh, well, I like Tulsi Gabbard a lot. She's awesome. She put out a statement recently about the Adam Schiff's and the John Brennan's being more dangerous than the people who stormed the Capitol. I'm like, here, here, talking about police states and big tech and oligarchy. I love it. Oh, Tulsi's great. But Tulsi's not in office anymore. So I can't tell you if there's any good Democrats that I like. But you got people like Thomas Massey, you got Rand Paul, and I think, I think they're pretty good. Ted Cruz has been doing a pretty good job. But I, I, policy-wise, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Republicans. And I think the Republicans, in the end, are just a bunch of, look, what are they advocating for? What are they fighting for? What are they pushing for? Nothing. They're approving all of Biden's people, just expediting it all through. The Democrats didn't do that for Trump. The Democrats have been fighting a war. And the Republican Party's been like, you know, under Mitch McConnell, like, well, you know, they're just slow to vote. And then they're not really doing anything. Like, are they advocating for any policy or are they just giving the Democrats what they want or slowing the Democrats down? That's it. After this, why would anybody vote Republican? Sure, there's going to be a bunch of people who walk in and say, just Republican for me. Democrats are bad. And there's going to be a lot of people who say, no Trump, no vote. That's it. Look, we saw it in 2018. 
Trump came out and he kept saying, you have to act as though I'm on this ticket. If they take the House, they will impeach me. And they did. But Trump supporters wouldn't come out unless Trump was on the ticket to their own detriment. Trump tried warning them. They didn't listen. In 2020, Republicans did really well, really well. Not well enough, but they won back a lot of House seats. They defended the Senate more than people realized, but Democrats still took it. Why? Because the Georgia runoff, in the Georgia runoff, Trump wasn't on the ticket. And so people didn't show up. So, so look, with all due respect to Jack Posobiec, he tweets, a patriot party means Democrats would dominate elections. And he posts this Just the News poll. They ask, suppose President Trump left the Republican Party and formed a patriot party. In the 2024 presidential election, would you like would you be likely to vote for the Republican candidate, the Democratic candidate, the Patriot Party candidate or some other candidate? 17 percent said Republican, 46 said Democrat, 23 said Patriot and 14 percent said other. This is important. First of all, let's talk about the presidential election. I agree. If the Patriot Party is Trump's preferred party and he's running on that ticket, the Republicans will get wiped out and Democrats will win. I'm more than happy to see that happen. You know why? Because the Democrats will win anyway. Look, people are saying, no, that's not true. Okay, 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 hold hold on. If Donald Trump is running as the Republican Party candidate, okay, then then, then he might actually win. But uh, you'll see another another news cycle about Trump refusing to give up. You'll see the, the, the insane media go get 10 times worse than they've ever gone. There will be crazy domestic terror provisions. They'll start locking people up. They will recoil. That's why I think they will convict him. I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not saying I can give you a good prediction. I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. I'm kind of leaning towards they have to. Otherwise, he's going to run again. Now, take a look at this. If 23% of people support the Patriot Party, the Republicans are done. They're done. How many Patriot Party people are going to vote Republican? Of the 23%, it's not going to be all of them. And guess what? If you combine the Patriot Party with the Republican, they still lose to the Democrats. So perhaps the best thing you can do is make sure the Republicans know that their betrayal of Trump is, it has, has basically removed you as a Republican Party supporter. More importantly, a lot of people are just going to straight up say they never supported the Republican Party in the first place. I'll be honest, I'm not necessarily going to be supporting a Patriot Party candidate. It's all about whether or not they're pushing good policy. And maybe if the policy is similar to what Trump was doing with school choice, pulling our troops out of the Middle East, with banning critical race theory, those things I like. Reducing drug, po- uh, drug prices, at least to the best of his ability, by allowing people to buy generic drugs from other countries, things I like. Trump's far from perfect. Trump's first several years with foreign policy were, were disastrous. So we will see if I'm interested in voting for anything like that. But I'd imagine most Trump supporters probably are. I probably would have said other if asked, to be completely honest. So I'd be willing to bet many of these other voters might actually support a Patriot Party ticket. James Lindsay responded to, to Jack Posobiec saying it would have to be a true coalition party called the American Party or something else suitably centrist and based on driving the nut jobs on both sides out of power and rooted in big, hard, obvious compromises to build the biggest tent possible. I agree. Look, man, we've got Tulsi Gabbard coming out ragging on Brennan and Schiff and big tech oligarchs. And we've now got the Socialist Workers Party and another socialist group being banned on Facebook. They've revolted and Facebook's reinstated them. But I'm like, yo, can we like, focus our anger and ire at the big tech oligarchs. 
Screw the establishment, the Democrats, their populist leftists and people like Jimmy Dore and people who like Jimmy Dore and follow him and trust him. And we can agree on a lot of things together. And that, I believe, would be the, the first step in creating a new two party system, the establishment cronies and the populists. Now, the establishment cronies don't agree on much of anything except give me money and power. So they can pretend to be like, I'm for this policy. No, no, I'm for that policy. And you know, they don't really care because they found their unity. Their unity is give us power, empower the revolving door of the establishment, you know, authoritarian corporations and political machine. And we don't care what the laws are. Oh, the people are pro-life. Oh, the people are pro-choice. They don't care. All they care about is getting power. Look at some of these people, man, Democrat and Republican alike who miraculously just make all the best stock trades right before some regulatory power drops. They're going to, you know, look, people are going around right now saying like, isn't it interesting that Nancy Pelosi bought all of this stock in Tesla and now Biden's announcing he's converting the federal fleet to electric cars? Interesting. Yeah, maybe it's a coincidence, but come on, man. These people know the rules and the laws they're going to be passing. They can hear what Biden is saying because they're in the party and someone's going to be like, I hear Biden's going to do this. So they go and buy. It's corruption. How about we find some some populist right and populist left and say, yeah, we may disagree on a ton of stuff, but can we get rid of the establishment who are ripping us off? Remember when the protest was about the one percent versus the ninety nine percent? Yeah, they really drove a wedge between that. Well, maybe people have finally had enough. Maybe it's time you stop letting them divide you based on race or whether or not you paid your taxes, right? Because one of the big responses to Occupy Wall Street was you had, we are the 99%, and then you had people responding with, we are the 47%, the 47% of people who actually pay taxes. What was the point of that? You know, I remember seeing it and I'm like, I hear you, I respect it, but come on. If you get a bunch of people who are coming out and saying, yo, the big banks are stealing our money, why would you be like, <laughs> well, I pay my taxes. The point was, it was a divide and conquer tactic. And so is critical race theory. I'd love to have two political parties. I got no problem with two party system. As long as it's like populist left and populist right being like, well, we don't want massive corporate interests, monopolies and olig- oligopolies taking over. We can agree on that. Now let's talk about that healthcare policy. I'd rather start there. You want to get people to talk about police and and, and defunding the police and all that stuff? Sure. Let's talk about authoritarianism being bad. So right now, here's what I see. Maybe there won't really be a Patriot Party. Donald Trump is distancing himself from the new Patriot Party. And it could be because there's a new party's founder claiming that they're holding joint fundraising activities. And maybe Trump is like, that's not me. When Trump announces it, he'll announce it. Okay, maybe. I think it has to be done. Because I'm telling you right now, If people are already split this much, they're not going to vote Republican anyway. Now, some people have said to me, Tim, we're not a parliamentary system. Coalitions don't make sense. What what needs to happen is a caucus within the Republican Party. I disagree. Absolutely disagree. Nobody wants to vote for Republicans. Look, I know that the the left blindly support the Democrats, but I, I think there's got to be some kind of like James Lindsay said, America Party. Check it out. Let's say you get a party of right and left wing individuals who are populists like Jimmy Dore, Tulsi Gabbard, and then, you know, people on the right, maybe Crowder or, or I don't know if Crowder is entirely populist. I don't know. His, 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 I think he might be traditional conservative. But let's say you just get populist right and populist left and they disagree on everything. But together, they strip enough power away from Democrats and Republicans so that the Democrats and Republicans need the vote of the America Party to get their bills passed. 
Look at it this way. Let's say you've got, uh, what, what do we have? 437, 430, uh, it's no, 435 members of Congress. So let's say you've got 200 Republicans, 200 Democrats, or maybe you've got 200 Republicans and 205 Democrats, but 30 America Party candidates. Well, now neither will get the majority without support of the America Party or the Patriot Party, whatever it might be. The Democrats come up and say, Rashida Tlaib has proposed this bill to stop the expansion of executive authority. She's proposed this. She said we shouldn't allow it. I completely agree with her and my respect for her calling it out. Let's say then the establishment Democrats say harumph. No, we won't allow it. But a bunch of Republicans come up and say, we want to vote for this, too. Then the America Party comes in and says, we're going to side with with Rashida Tlaib. And we've now built the coalition we need to crush the establishment cronyism. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I'm not even saying it's likely. I'm saying just try, man. So you know what? I'll be honest. The Patriot Party comes out and they've got a remotely acceptable position. I'd probably vote for it. You know why? Just to get the Patriot Party above 5% in a presidential race so that the the FEC, I guess it matches their, their federal campaign funding or something like that. We need a third party to challenge the machine. I don't care if Democrats win again. They already won. They're going to win again with no Trump on the ticket. The Patriot Party can embody the values that Trump brought, not the culty nonsense that the left claims, but like the legitimate stuff, like protecting American workers, getting our troops out of the Middle East. Not something Trump was doing particularly well, but he tried in the end. Let's get those values. Let's get that rolling, something that the American people will be like, I actually want to vote for that. More importantly, let's shatter this two party system where private entities control who gets to run in the first place. I'm sick of it, man. Look, I'll probably look. I'll probably vote third party come 2022. We'll see how things play out. It's two years. It's it's a it's all it's about two years. And I don't know what's going to happen. And maybe something will change, but I'll probably end up voting third party. Give me one that's going to have a chance. You can disagree, but uh, I'm not voting Republican. So we'll see what happens. That coalition is already broken, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you go to TimCast.com, become a member if you really want to support our work, and uh, I will see you all at 1 p.m. on this channel. Over this past year, we've seen many people on the right protesting the COVID restrictions. Conservatives have been calling for a more surgical approach to dealing with COVID, especially after we learn the lockdown seemed not to be working or at least not working in the way we hoped they were. Trump had long said that the cure can't be worse than the disease. So in what can only be described as a remarkable coincidence across this country, the United States, COVID restrictions are being eased perfectly timed with Joe Biden becoming president. Now, maybe it's just a coincidence. There are probably some other political reasons why this might be happening, particularly in California, but we'll get to that. You see, in many other countries, the restrictions aren't being lifted. There's going to be a referendum in Switzerland in June to determine if they should lift their COVID restrictions. And in many countries, the restrictions are so severe, riots have been erupting. In fact, across Europe, there have been riots all throughout this past year. Just in the past week in Tunisia, for instance, North Africa, not Europe, Uh, about 600 or so people were arrested. We're now learning that in Australia, people are being arrested for defying COVID lockdowns at a more lefty protest. And in in the Netherlands, it's gotten so bad that a Dutch mayor has said we are on our way to civil war in a third night of violent riots with 180 people arrested. Things seem to be getting worse. 
destroying your country's economy. It was obvious what was going to happen. We saw the yellow vests protest in France. That started when Emmanuel Macron was like, yo, we're going to raise the tax a little bit on petrol because climate change and all that. Well, regular people couldn't afford the bill anymore. And they snapped. We saw protests and riots for over a year. What did you think was going to happen when you came out and specifically said we are destroying the economy? Now, I understand a pandemic is serious business, no doubt. But that's why so many people have been saying we must balance saving the economy, which is our ability to work and provide for ourselves, while also protecting the vulnerable. In the U.S., well, some some states did this. Some states didn't. In Europe, it's been fairly draconian. And many on the left have been cheering for it. I do find it kind of strange that we have, for instance, in Australia, leftists protesting, defying the COVID restrictions and then getting arrested for it. In the U.S., much the same with Black Lives Matter. Yet they're the ones leading the charge for the lockdowns and then reaping what they have sown. I can only imagine that if we do not lift these restrictions, if Europe doesn't, then we'll see much of the same thing. Now, for the U.S., we are seeing the restrictions finally starting to get lifted. Many conservatives say this is pure politics. Now that Joe Biden is the president, they got nothing to worry about. Okay, open things back up. Well, at least for California, it seems like this may be due to the due to 1.2 million people signing a recall petition for Gavin Newsom. So he seems to be panicking. We'll see how that plays out. We'll read all that news. But let's start with the big and first and most important story, the riots that are erupting in the Netherlands. Before we get started, make sure you head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. There are some serious considerations about getting banned. And we've seen the great purge happening recently. Every day we see more and more people losing followers as tens of thousands of people are wiped out. And a lot of people keep saying to me, Tim, you're never going to get banned. Well, that's not true. Facebook has officially, I I should say Facebook has restricted my page where I post my videos. They've given me no recourse, explained nothing, and there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know why people say I'm, I'm fairly milquetoast. I'm a fencer. Doesn't matter. Facebook still took my page down, effectively shutting it down. Oh, I can still post, but it's pointless because it doesn't go anywhere. Go to TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to a bunch of members-only posts because for the TimCast IRL podcast, we are doing a ton of behind-the-scenes content and, and members-only content where we'll do podcast episodes, and we say things that we can't say on social media, and you can get that there by becoming a member. Email members at, timber, uh, members at TimCast.com if you have any issues. But let's get back to the main story. Dutch mayor warns the country is heading for civil war following violent anti-curfew protests as France and Italy admit they're facing another COVID-19 lockdown. You see here in the U.S., we're kind of easing things. In Europe, it's only going to get worse. They say Europe's battle against coronavirus entered a dangerous new phase this week as politicians push to tighten lockdown measures across the continent. Even after a weekend of rioting brought scenes of chaos to the Netherlands and Denmark amid warnings of civil war, France is due to decide whether to bring in a third national lockdown this week, as Prime Minister Jean Castex warned the situation there is worrying, with Italy's top medic also calling for months-long national shutdown. This is despite John Joritzma, mayor of Eindhoven, which was hit by its worst riots in almost four decades at the weekend, warning, quote, We are on our way to civil war after new nationwide curfew measures sparked public outcry. Meanwhile, hopes that vaccines might provide a quick way out of the crisis all but faded after France's Pasteur Institute, Pasteur Institute, 
was forced to scrap a jab it had been developing with U.S. drug maker Merck because it didn't work. The news came as AstraZeneca, whose jab has yet to be approved by EU regulators, announced it was cutting vaccine supplies to the continent by up to 60 percent because of problems with supply chains thought to be due to underproduction, underproduction at a factory in Belgium. You see the problem here? Did you think about what two plus two would equal? It would equal four. What I mean by what I mean by that? When you shut down your economy and you restrict your manufacturing, don't be surprised then when you can't make the vaccine you need to fix everything. Sometimes we can't control nature. They're going to say head of the EU executive Ursula von der Leyen had a call with the firm on Monday to remind them of their commitments. But EU President Charles Mitchell admitted, or Michael, how you pronounce it, admitted that vaccinating 70% of Europe's population, the figure theoretically needed to ensure herd immunity by the end of the summer, as planned, will now be difficult. I'll tell you the other problem with the herd immunity attempts. They've been telling us for the past few months, the vaccine will not stop infection. It stops you from developing symptoms of the disease, which means herd immunity will not happen. Oh, look, there's always got to be some light at the end of the tunnel, I'm sure. But if you're telling people that they can still catch it and they can still spread it, then this thing is going far and wide and it's going to impact everybody. At a certain point, you're going to see riots because people are going to start to realize there's no solution in sight. There's no light at the end of the tunnel and they're going to snap. They go on to say Europe, which was initially praised for its tough response to COVID after most countries went into full lockdowns in March last year, has been hammered by a second wave that a mishmash of measures has largely failed to control. Those efforts have been complicated by the emergence of new and potentially more infectious variants of the virus, including in the hard hit UK, which is now back in full lockdown. While many countries have announced new measures to try and bring infections down, case numbers have remained stubbornly high in countries such as France, Italy and Germany, causing hospitals to run out of space. Meanwhile, Spain and Portugal have both seen infections soar to record levels after a brief dip over the festive period, putting health services under strain. The Netherlands, which has become one of Europe's worst affected countries with its light touch lockdown approach, has seen cases fall dramatically in January, but remain well above the lows seen during the summer. As a result, and amid fears the UK variant could cause cases to spike, new measures designed to bring the toll down were announced last week including a 9 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. curfew, the country's first since World War II. This prompted protests in 10 cities on Sunday, which turned violent as protesters fought police looted shops and trashed police stations. Authorities in Eindhoven announced on Monday that 62 people had been arrested and more are being sought while officers in Amsterdam said 192 were arrested. It is unacceptable, Prime Minister Mark Rutte said. This has nothing to do with protesting. This is criminal violence, and that's how we'll treat it. My city is crying, and so am I. Eindhoven Mayor John Joritzma told media Sunday night. In an emotional, impromptu press conference, he called the riders the scum of the earth and added, I am afraid that if we continue down this path, we are on our way to civil war. How disgusting. Look, you know, for the most part, we talk about the United States Foreign policy to me is a big issue. But think about this. In a European city, you have people who don't want their lives destroyed, who believe in individual rights to a certain extent, because mind you, Europe's pretty far left compared to us. 
and they're being called the scum of the earth. Listen, that's pretty bold. Maybe I've had some strong words for Antifa in the past, and if that's the case, let me walk that back. I think Antifa is bad. I think they're crazy. I think they're poorly misguided and violent. And some of the people who lead the charge, I believe, are evil and are scum. But just calling all of the rioters that. Look, I, I, I've talked about when we see these Black Lives Matter riots, I understand where their anger is coming from. Absolutely. It's wrong, though, to hurt innocent people over this. Right now, what we're seeing is not too dissimilar. Oppression from the authority over people who just want to live their lives. And they're rioting. Guess what? I think the rioting is wrong. The violence, the destruction is wrong. But I understand their anger. And I don't think this is the way. But man, to call the people that you are beating down the scum of the earth is impressive. Nonetheless, Hubert Broles, mayor of the city of Nijmegen, I'm pronouncing these names wrong, trust me, and leader of a group of local security organizations added, these demonstrations are being hijacked by people who only want, want one thing, and that is to riot. Now, maybe it may be the case. It may be that there are real working class people who want to peacefully protest in defiance of these restrictions, and you're getting the Antifa lunatic types coming out and rioting. I think the rioting's always wrong. I think it hurts your message. But at a certain point, the system is only retained by the confidence of the people. And if the people have lost confidence and you can't control them, well, then you're in trouble, aren't you? The same is true for us here in the United States. They say in France, where fears about the UK variant are also prevalent, new border controls came into force on Sunday amid fears that a third nationwide lockdown could be on the cards later this week. Government spokesman Gabriel Attal told the France 3 broadcaster that all scenarios are on the table. Adding the next few days will be decisive. Some doctors, meanwhile, said that a lockdown was all but inevitable. We're moving towards a lockdown, said Dennis Malvi, a member of France's scientific council and head of the infectious diseases department in a Bordeaux hospital. In Italy, Professor Walter Ricciardi, advisor to the Minister of Health, used an appearance on radio to call for another four week national shutdown, saying it is necessary to bring cases down, warning that Italy's current measures will be enough to flatten the number of cases, but not decrease them. He added, we need a real lockdown of three or four weeks, then resume tracing and testing. Only in this way can we recover normality that we lack. Meanwhile, the EU recommended cutting off all, cutting off all but essential travel to areas deemed to be infection hotspots with 500 or more cases per 100,000 people and was due to publish a map later this week outlining where they are. EU Justice Commissioner Didier Reynards said that between 10 and 20 EU countries would see all or part of their territory deemed to be a high infection zone if the map was published today. What I find really interesting here is that there were a lot of people saying that one day COVID was just going to disappear. Trump was saying it. A lot of people thought it was political. Maybe. No, I mean, honestly, COVID was really bad for Trump. And I think COVID and Trump's handling of it is what cost him the election. I think Trump did a fairly good job in handling COVID and the left immediately recoils in horror. But the issue is we were told the death rate would be substantially higher. It was substantially lower than projected. And we have no metric by which to judge Trump anyway. So what am I supposed to say? He called for a travel ban. Joe Biden said it was wrong. Now Joe Biden's instituting that travel ban. So, okay. Now, okay, okay, fine. Donald Trump's not president anymore. I guess we can slowly move on from him. But I do think it's fair to say we still get a few weeks to talk about this transition period comparing Biden to Trump. I think that's acceptable. Now, take a look at this. The Wall Street Journal, Switzerland to hold referendum on COVID-19 lockdown. 
the vote, which could be held as soon as June, tests government's legal powers and his latest example of Switzerland's direct democracy. June, they're locked down. They're locking down harder. So you might think it's all going to go away at some point. But listen, in the United States, I think that the, the reality is the, the, the lockdowns are being eased because these people never cared in the first place. Now that there's no risk to Joe Biden, they don't care if you get sick. I think when it was Trump, they were like, I'm not taking responsibility for this. And now that Biden's and they're like, yeah, Biden can take responsibility for this. I don't care. We got four years. People forget all of this. Take a look at Trump's four years. People forget that the, uh, uh, 2019 was one of the best economies, economic years people have ever had or seen in their lifetimes. And then 2020 was miserable. And I can't remember who said it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was Karl Rove that a year is an eternity in politics. So they didn't care to do anything for the first three years. All that mattered was 2020. Get people mad now. Okay. Well, what's happening in Europe? For that matter, what's happening around the world? Take a look at this story from just the other day. Ultra-Orthodox rioters clash with police as some schools flout virus lockdown. Clashes broke out Sunday morning in three cities across Israel as police attempted to enforce COVID lockdown restrictions in a number of ultra-Orthodox communities. In the Jerusalem neighborhood of Mea Sheremen, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Sherem, hundreds of people clashed with police attempting to shut down a yeshiva that had opened illegally. Police said that officers who arrived at the yeshiva or religious seminary were quickly surrounded by a crowd shouting insults at them and throwing trash and other debris in their direction. We saw what happened in Tunisia. Over 600 people arrested. The army was deployed. Whatever is going on, it is not sustainable. Just from today, from, Indi- from Indian Express, Lebanese in impoverished north protest coronavirus lockdown. Security forces responded with tear gas to break up the protesters who gathered in central Tripoli despite a strict lockdown in place since mid-January aimed at containing a major surge in infection in the small Mediterranean country. It is not, in my opinion, possible to maintain this. Maybe it's smart of American politicians to finally back down. Maybe it has something to do with Biden. Maybe it doesn't. But they can't contain this. People are losing it. And I understand that anger. Something must be done about this. Listen, when it came to the Black Lives Matter riots, I'm all in favor of police reform. Stop the violence, everybody. And let's have a conversation about what we can do to ease tensions. Now take a look at the coronavirus lockdowns. The riots are wrong, in my opinion. But how about we stop and we compromise to figure out how we move forward? Now, look, we're not Lebanon. We're not France. We're not Australia. We're not we're not Israel. We're not Tunisia. It's, we're not the Netherlands. I get it. But I think those countries are showing us what's going to happen if we keep doing this here. People are going to lose their minds, man. Now, if most of us, we live in, 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 to a certain degree of luxury, we do. Whether you realize it or not, America is pretty well off. So is Europe, to be honest. But we're starting to see these COVID restrictions eased up. And maybe that's a good thing, because if we get to that point where people become truly desperate, you don't want to see what happens in a country. You don't want to see what happens in a country where people are armed to the teeth and angry. It's one thing when they're throwing Molotovs and rocks, mix in family working people who are desperate and acting in defiance. And you'll see what a real riot looks like. And that we don't want. So it's, it's, it's good that we're seeing this, the easing of restrictions here. Over in France, here's what I find interesting. We have students, teachers, and nurses protesting a lack of support during the pandemic. So they're not exactly protesting the lockdown. They're protesting that they, des- they, they deserve more support during the lockdown. In defiance of COVID restrictions, they come out and protest. We do have this one. 
in uh, Montclair, New Jersey, where parents, students protest the, uh, the decision to keep classrooms closed. So not entirely just about general lockdown, but still a general lockdown protest. I probably should have moved this forward because I want to talk more about the left protesting in defiance of COVID rules. From BBC Australia Day, thousands defy COVID rules in Invasion Day protests. One thing we have seen, which I think kind of exemplifies the, the claim of civil war from the Eindhoven mayor, is that the left, while being the ones protesting for support and in favor of lockdowns, or at least not protesting the lockdowns themselves, they defy those lockdowns. It's, it's the Democrats in the U.S. who are going out and partying and eating and ignoring the rules. And it is the left going out and protesting in defiance. Well, at least in Australia, they're arresting people. They say several people have been arrested for breaking COVID rules, protesting against the culturally sensitive Australia Day holiday. At least five arrests were made in Sydney at a rally attended by around 2000 people, despite rules limiting the number allowed to gather at 500. You know, in the U.S., we have a right to uh, free speech and assembly, so they don't have that in Australia. But I do think it's interesting to see the left defying the rules that typically the left supports. Not, not everyone, mind you, I understand the left is not a monolith, but they tend to act in concert on several issues. Notably, this story, Brazil protests call for Bolsonaro's ouster amid COVID-19 crisis. They say Brazilian protesters took to the streets to call for Bolsonaro's impeachment as his administration faces criticism of us over a slow coronavirus vaccination rollout and a surging death toll from the pandemic. You don't get to criticize your leader for not doing a good enough job on COVID and then define the recommendations and go out and protest. Okay, that's not necessarily fair. You get to protest your leaders no matter what. That's true. Fine. But please don't expect me to take you seriously when you advocate for these things. And then you go out and protest and defy those same restrictions. Mind you, I'd like to see the leftists start demanding workers' rights. No, they demand government assistance. But what about the workers, the, the, the real working class Americans who are, who are demanding the ability to support themselves and their families? I think it's funny when we see the left say, I just want you to have health care. Spare me, dude. People want to have choice. They want to decide for themselves. I was watching uh, Star Trek the other day. It's a great episode. Uh, you've seen The Next Generation. I'm sure you know about it. Commander Riker, right? He's captured by these aliens. I'm not going to get too much into the Trekkie stuff, but no, this is a good point. He's watching them play basically 3D chess, and he keeps trying to tell the dude what moves to make, and the dude's getting annoyed. And I thought a second, and I was like, that's really annoying, right? If I'm playing a game of chess, I don't want someone telling me what to do. Let me lose. If I'm playing a game, I'm playing the game for the experience. If I'm living, I'm living for the experience. Let me choose. So I see these leftists saying, we just want you to have health care. We want to, but we want to ban private health care. It's like, dude. I'm not about that. I'm about supporting the rights of the individual worker. And the workers want to work to support themselves and feed their families. Now, a lot of them do want those stimulus checks. Trump supporters and Biden supporters agreed. Or anti-Trump people and pro-Trump people agreed. Get the checks out to give people relief. We're borrowing from ourselves and our kids, and it's a problem. But we all kind of agree, let's at least make this loan effort. Instead, what we do is we give the people barely any money, and then we print a ton of garbage money for massive corporations. That I, I can at least say the left and the right completely agree upon. But for those calling for more lockdowns, all you are doing is, is making people angry. People like to, to be responsible, to have purpose. You might not, but they do. And that's why this stuff doesn't work.
And I can prove it. Take a look at this story. California Governor Gavin Newsom lifts virus stay at home orders. Wow. What could have prompted this? I mean, the data hasn't changed. Look at this. Governor Gavin Gavin Newsom said Monday the state's hospitalization rate was down nearly 20 percent statewide over the last two weeks. We're in a position projecting four weeks forward with a significant decline in the case rates, positivity rates. We are anticipating decline, still more decline in hospitalizations and more declines in ICUs. Oh, is that true? Well, okay, fine. If that's the case and things are getting better, then maybe these these restrictions, these easing of restrictions make sense. CBS goes on to say the decision comes with improving trends in the rate of infections, hospitalizations and intensive care unit capacity, as well as vaccinations. Sure. Okay. I'll accept that. That's a fair point. Many people have countered and said that's not the case. And the the overall rate across the country isn't really changing all that much. But we are seeing now some statements that they believe it's plateaued at the very least. I think there's a real reason for this. Ladies and gentlemen, recall Gavin 2020.com. More than 1.2 million signed petitions. Governor Gavin Newsom continues to destroy the lives and businesses of hardworking Californians. Help stop this tyrant before it's too late. Interesting thing. The left hates the man, too. So uh, I don't think uh, he's going to make it through this one unscathed. Well, to be fair, the U.S. is seeing uh, restrictions be eased across the board. This is good news. It is. Look, you can you can think they're duplicitous. You can think they're liars and manipulators, but at least something good is happening, right? I've long complained with the lockdowns being ineffective. They should have been more surgical. And I think the Democrats were playing politics, but I'll still be happy a good thing is happening. Bloomberg reports U.S. states ease COVID restrictions as variants take hold. You see, that's the interesting thing. When California, when they're, when they're saying, oh, but things are getting better. Didn't Joe Biden just institute a new travel ban on South Africa and European nations because of the new variant, the UK strain and the South Africa strain? Yes. But for some reason in the US, they're easing restrictions. That's why everybody thinks it's political, because there's good reason to actually increase the restrictions. But maybe now that Joe Biden is in, they feel it's safe to avoid the bigger catastrophe, riots and unrest. Bloomberg says, California and other large states are loosening COVID restrictions, just as scientists warn that more contagious variants of the virus are beginning to take hold in the U.S. and the vaccine rollout struggles. They say California Governor Gavin Newsom, lifting the state home order, New York, Illinois, Michigan, and Massachusetts also are easing restrictions. The shift comes as new COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are declining. Still, the new variants, including the one in UK, another in California and Brazil, Uh, And a Brazilian one first identified in the U.S. on Monday in Minnesota are setting off alarms and may be more transmissible. The U.S. has administered only about 23.4 million vaccines for a population of about 331 million. This is why I lean towards it being political. Joe Biden's president. The inauguration is done. Trump is out. He calls himself the former president. Okay, ease the restrictions. Why? Because they don't care about you and they never did. I never believed for a minute the lockdowns, the true intention was to help save people. It was political because they don't care. They watched people suffer. They watched suicide rates spike. People's businesses get destroyed, their lives destroyed, their dreams destroyed. And they didn't care no matter what the data said. When the World Health Organization top scientists came out and said lockdowns should be avoided and we can't avoid them, they said we don't care. I can't speak for Europe. I can speak for the U.S. to a certain degree. Now that it's safe to do so, they're going to ease restrictions. And it might actually be a bad thing for everybody. Why? 
What I've long said is we need a surgical response to this, not a blanket reopening or a blanket closing. I just don't think they care. By maximizing reopening, they're going to see their tax revenues come back and they're going to fluff up their budgets. Doing a complete lockdown was good politically, and it absolved them of any responsibility and real leadership responsibility. And they did it because they could just blame Trump for all the turmoil. Now they're reopening. And when people start suffering, they'll probably still just blame Trump and say, you know, if Trump had done the right thing, this wouldn't be happening. Well, at the very least, I can say the easing of restrictions is better than the mass lockdowns. And at this point, I would rather have a completely open economy where you are responsible for your health than a completely closed down one where no one can do anything. When people sit inside their homes, they wither. You need to get out in the sunlight. You need that vitamin D. You need to be physically active. And people in big cities were just withering away. I read one horrifying story talking about how people have deteriorated. Their health is just miserable. They're out of shape. People had like just, you know, bad blood levels or whatever, triglycerides just becoming out of shape. And it was getting bad. Vitamin D was a big thing because that's making people sick. You need to be active. So easing the restrictions makes a lot of sense for younger people, not to mention the suicide rate was skyrocketing. And that was horrifying. The starvation that we've already seen, the UN warned about this. I can't stand these politicians, to be completely honest. I think they're duplicitous. I think they don't actually care about anybody. And I think if they maintain these lockdowns, it would get substantially worse. And that's probably what's happening. In the U.S., many are probably realizing, one, it's safe to do so now, but also they've reached that the, the, the barrier, they've reached as far as they can go before people are going to start snapping and getting angry and going nuts like they are in Europe. In Europe, apparently they're not learning their lesson and they would just rather watch it all burn in mass riots than just ease the restrictions. What's the worst going to happen? We've seen what the potential death rate's going to be. And it's, it's horrifying. Even one death is too much. But let's be real. Let's be adults. The world is not perfect. The world is not fair. And sometimes people die. It's, we don't want them to. Come on. But sometimes people die. I mean, to be honest, everyone dies. Unless, of course, there's some like, I don't know, e- evil billionaire who's perfected immortality or something. But no, in reality, we're all going to die. Now, we don't want to die in an untimely way. But we can't control nature. Okay? What do they say? They say some, some, the, the, the wet markets, they were selling this stuff and these diseases. It's not the first time it's happened in China. I know you've got that New York mag story uh, about that leaked lab, the lab leak hypothesis, but let me just, let me just tell you something. Maybe, but it's not, it's not, it's not surprising to me if you're like a bunch of people have a bunch of crazy wild animals and they're selling them in a dirty area because there have been numerous stories of the past decades, hundreds, hundred years, even more of, these diseases emerging in China. There's a story of gutter oil where people in China were pulling up sewage and then sifting out the oil to reuse gutter oil. So when you tell me that, look, man, these things happen. They say the Spanish flu may have originally started in China as a weak, a weaker strain. And then when it came to Europe in the trenches of World War One, it got worse and then made its way to the US. Maybe. I'm not trying to rag on China. I'm just saying sometimes these things, these things emerge due to bad, you know, hygiene and, and, um, sanitation. And we have to realize that we can't save everyone. We can try, but locking down the world is resulting in chaos. I think we in the U S may be on the back end of things. So that's a good, that, that, that's good. And, uh, hopefully things start to improve and I hope we can save as many lives as possible for the time being. 
the COVID mortality rate is like 99.99% for people under the age of 70. So, you know, it's not as bad as they're saying, let's get people back to work and let's save these businesses that were destroyed. The damage has been done already. The largest transfer of wealth in, in the history of the world has already occurred. And they're making off like bandits. I don't want to tell you guys. I hope I hope the Netherlands is okay. I hope these countries figure out a way to get through this, and I hope people make it through, but you got some nasty people running some of these countries. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight live at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Check it out, hang out, and if you want exclusive segments only for our members, go to Timcast.com, become a member to help support our network, and we're gonna be expanding, doing a lot more content, gonna be a lot of fun. So it's greatly appreciated. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all tonight at 8 p.m. It was only a matter of time until we saw a story like this. A California man moved his family to Austin in the great California exodus and then hated it and moved back to California. And I guess it's kind of a good thing. There's some pros and there are some cons here. I mean, it's kind of good when people are moving around and, you know, talking to each other, unifying in a sense, right? If you're if you're from a blue city and you move to a red area, you might learn something. And if people are getting away from these big cities and getting out to the middle of nowhere or rural areas, they might actually learn some responsibility. Well, in this case, the dude said it was awful and he left and then he wrote about how awful it was. And now people are ragging on him. You know, what, man, I know this is kind of a like liberal is shocked to discover kind of video. And I do lean left politically, but I think the, there's, there's more to an individual's personality than just are they a liberal or a conservative? Because there's also how how self-reliant are they? How independent are they? And maybe there's a correlation between liberals and being less self-reliant and conservatives being more self-reliant. Or I guess a more positive way to put it is liberals are more collectivist and rely on each other and conservatives more independent. So for me, I'm fairly independent, but I actually think there's good reason you know to lean left on certain policy issues. My perspective on it is this. If you live in California and you move to Austin, when in Rome, so I moved out to the middle of nowhere and I know a bunch of people out here, super pro gun, super pro Trump, by the way, even with Trump out of office. And they're upset mildly, like all these liberals are moving in and they're going to start voting for this ridiculous liberal policy to make things the way they, they are where they left. So you live in a place like, you know, California. It's run to the ground by the by the single party rule of the Democrats. You move to Texas and then you're like, this is terrible. So they start voting for things to make it as bad as it was back where they came from. Surprise, surprise. Well, this guy writes this op ed. I moved my family from California to Austin, Texas and regretted it. Here are 10 key points every person should consider before relocating. Let me slow down and first say here are 10 key points every California progressive or liberal should consider before relocating because there's already been a decent amount of people who have left kind of happy with their move. We have this story from CNBC why some tech companies and billionaires are leaving California. Now, far be it from me to praise the billionaires. I mean, Elon Musk is cool, I guess. Joe Rogan's pretty rich. He left as well, but they're pretty happy with their decision. They don't like the overbearing taxes and the single party rule of California. And 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 that's a reality I dealt with. Okay, I lived in Los Angeles and I worked for a homeless shelter and I I was always wondering why it was that we were fighting every day to get to help the homeless and it just wasn't getting done. But it's so crazy. The Democrats control everything. Certainly they're the party of the people. They can do it right. Nope. (laughs) 
No, it, it didn't matter. With one party, the people just kept getting reelected and nothing gets done. There's no political competition. There's got to be a threat in some capacity. I don't mean physical. I mean, like to the career, to the politics, to the policies, to the ideology. If you've got a conservative saying, look at this Democrat who can't get it done, I'm going to do better. Then people need to be like, let's try, you know, the, the competition. They don't do that anymore. Now it's all Democrat. Just Democrats always win. Why? Well, it's the fault of the people, to be completely honest. I don't necessarily blame them entirely for being manipulated and duped. But when they walk in and just keep voting Democrat, don't be surprised when it's run to the ground. So there's some pros and their cons here, right? The pro is that this dude who was going to move to Texas and bring his bad policies with him didn't like it and left instead of sticking around and then making it worse. Now, maybe you could argue that he would have made it better. Sure, if you're a leftist or a progressive, but I'm sure the conservatives are happy that he didn't stick around. The problem here now is that people who do leave California and go to Texas who are conservative and like Texas will stay and the liberals will stay in California. And then the ideological divide is going to keep getting crazier and crazier until eventually we are not unified in any capacity. Now, I mean, look, right now this country is hyperpolarized. But there's still some things we all kind of agree on. You know, you'll see a movie come out and people on left and right will agree with it. But we're getting to the point where even that won't be a thing because movies are now getting super woke and going broke and video games as well. And you're going to find people in Texas all liking certain movies and games that people in California don't like. And then there's no unifying cultural bonds. Well, here's the main story from the Daily Mail. They say douche father of seven sales exec who moved his family from California to Texas, then back again is blasted for complaining about Austin's rude locals, bland culture, oppressive heat, and Yelp's bad food choices in scathing op-ed. Okay, if the dude was being a dick, by all means, be like, yo, bro, you're being a dick. Look, if he wants to write an op-ed and say he doesn't like it, I respect it. By all means, you're allowed to have your opinion. I don't see a reason to, you know, a lot of people want to be, be nasty all the time. I don't like it. If this dude moved to Austin, I say, let me know how it goes for you, buddy. And when he leaves, I say, sorry, it didn't work out for you, buddy. It's that simple. You know, you don't got to be mean to people. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems we have is that on the internet, everybody just, they, they substitute a personality for just being nasty people. Like, dude, they're trying to be funny and snarky and insulting and taking advantage of the other to rally one side, whatever side they think they're on. So people on the right want to rag on this guy for ragging on Austin. Look, if the guy's being a dick, I'll be like, yo, bro, tone it down a little bit. Come on. If you didn't like the place, I hear you. And he put up an op-ed. That's fine. If you don't agree with him, then politely disagree. Now, we rag on uh, uh, on these lefties and these liberals quite a bit over at TimCast and TimCast IRL, notably the guy who fired an AR-15 and claimed to have gotten a temporary form of PTSD. Like, dude, chill out. I, I love telling you the story, so you may have already heard it, but I have to say it. This journalist for, the, I think it was the Daily, what was it, the, the Daily News, fired an AR-15, probably a 5.56, and uh, <laughs> said he got a temporary form of PTSD where he was anxious and, and irrational and irritable all day or whatever because of like the shock and the power of the gun as it ripped through him. And the funny thing about it is I'm not a big gun person, right? And you, know, you, know, you guys know that's not, I'm not. I just find it funny because like, the dude's clearly never gone like small game hunting because a shotgun you would use for like small game, not hunt, like not weapons of war, uh, how they like to describe it, has more recoil and impact and hurts your shoulder more than an AR-15 does. So, so look, there, there, there are times where we rag on these people, okay? But sometimes it's due to their own ignorance. 
If a dude wants to write an op-ed about guns and he's never even fired one before and then he panics and it's like, dude, turkey hunting is not war and it's <laughs> and there's more recoil. All right, people wear shoulder pads for some of these things. So anyway, I digress. This guy who wants to give his opinion, fine. Let's read a little bit. They say Brett Adler, a director of semiconductor business development at Japanese firm Hamam- Hamamatsu, has been called entitled and a douche for writing in, in Business Insider that his relocation from California to Texas in 2015 was an expensive mistake. When he learned that the state with lower income taxes was a conservative dystopia, and he felt cramped even though his house was twice the size. He listed a litany of problems explaining why he decided to return west to the Bay Area, including bad driving, lame car washes, the cost of living, the monoculture that doesn't seem to be aware of its own blandness, and the fact that he took his kids out of school because it was a micromanaged military academy. Jeez, dude, you moved to Texas of all places. You ever watch Family Guy? They go to Texas and then Brian buys a bottle of whiskey and he's like, here's your whiskey and your free gun. And Brian's like, free gun? Yep, state law. Buy alcohol, get a gun. That's the joke. It's a stereotype. People in Texas like guns. They're conservative. Not entirely. There's a, there's a bit of a back and forth going on right now. But what did this guy think was going to happen? Okay, with all due respect, man. Now, I'm really interested in his conservative dystopia uh, uh, position, lifestyle, saying, you know, okay, so here's his compliance to the weather. Bro, it's Texas. Yeah, the weather. He talks about how his house was big, but it was too expensive to heat and cool. Yes, it's Texas. The, the Bay Area is always, what, 68 degrees? It's amazing. What did you think, man? These people, when they grow up living in the, in the pristine paradise, they just don't understand hardship. Heaven forbid this dude had to live in the 1800s where there was no air conditioning at all. And you were always just grimy and sweaty. Your clothes are always dirty. No public land, he says. In the West Coast, we take public land for granted. Soaring Sierra Nevadas, sandy beaches, public space canyons. Yeah, we get it. In Texas, it's privately owned. He says there was nowhere to go. Aside from the fact that everything is private, where are you going to go anyway? There are no snowy mountains, no raging rivers, and no soaring arches. Oh, come on, man. If you don't like Texas, you don't got to mock the fact that its landscape is not preferable to your opinion, like to what you like. Now, this is interesting. Dishonesty. He says, think about integrity much. I didn't. I've worked with hundreds of companies and thousands of people in California. Sure, there are bad apples, but by and large, integrity is a default way to treat people here. It's not even something we talk about. Not so in Austin. Sir, Austin is a blue area, mind you. He says, first, it was the people we brought uh, bought the home from. They lied about the cause of a leak, failed to disclose well water quality issues that made us sick. Lied about how much stuff cost to repair, etc. But it didn't stop there. Welcome to buying a house, my friend. He says we hired a guy with a five star rating on Yelp to pull up flooded carpet who completely and very obviously busted our closet doors while we're moving them and never said a word about the damage or whose carpet cleaner made a foot long burn mark upstairs and left without a word or the mover also five stars on Yelp who hired uh, who we hired who offered to help sell our leather sectional. And okay, I don't care about this. We never heard back from him, bro. You hired bad people. Calm down. Then he complains about Yelp. Dude, seriously, rudeness. I'll take most of the heat from this one. But Austinites are rude. Austin is super blue. So, okay, okay. Maybe that's on me. Maybe that's on me. The dude's complaining about Austin. Okay, maybe we can complain about Austin, I guess. We've been there several times and uh, whatever. You want to move to Texas's, you know, blue city and have a bad job of it? I actually think this is more of a story about a Democrat, lefty kind of guy, liberal, moving to a liberal city and realizing just how awful liberals are. Maybe that's the real case. Look, 
he, he talks about it's a conservative, look, not quite a conservative utopia. So let's read what he says. If you ask people from other parts of Texas, they'll say that Austin is not representative, despite that most people moving to Austin are from Texas, of all of Texas. That is probably true. But here are a number of messed up things about Travis County. A lot of the newer developments are built on converted ranch land, which may be distant from other developments. Despite the fact that Texas leads the nation in natural gas production, they don't mandate that modern utilities be run through these developments. In one affluent neighborhood, Belterra, the residents are suing the developer for signing a 30-year auto-renewing contract for captured propane that leaves residents with a $600 per month heating bills in the winter. Is this a sick joke? Greed run amok. Dude, you moved there. If you choose to move there, come on. I, look, it is entitlement. It's like, I moved to this area already knowing the rules, and now I'm upset about them. Let me point the finger at the libertarians, too. Okay, you guys, libertarians, I know you're going to get mad at me, but, but hear me out. I moved to areas and I hear people complaining about taxes and all that stuff. I'm like, bro, you moved here when you before you moved here, you knew what the taxes were. Now, I understand. I'm not saying every libertarian in every capacity. Some of them just don't like taxes in general and will always complain about them. But just like, don't come to me and complain about the taxes in a neighborhood you just moved into when you chose to move there and you knew the costs. So if you're going to move into these houses and you know what the rules are with natural gas, are you surprised at all? You're going to sue about it? I guess. Fine. He says, there is also little public school choice. In California, there are charter schools, two-day schools, public schools, cash combo charter, blah, blah, blah. You name it. In West Austin, just public schools. Don't know why. But I heard that the high school football industrial complex opposed charter schools. I mean, I got to be honest. I actually agree with him on this one. School choice. Good thing. More schools. Let's do it. And then there's water. He goes on to mention that uh, Austin will literally have water restrictions in place while it's flooding. Can you just take some of the water from here and never mind? And your Texan neighbors will call you up for having a green lawn. I got to stop. I got to stop right here. You know, going through this, I actually think this guy's spot on. They're making fun of the guy, but uh, let's be real. What's he complaining about? He's complaining about a blue city with bad people who lie and have no integrity and government restrictions and regulations and a lack of choice in schools. My word, this guy sounds like a conservative. Maybe that's true. Considering the fact that he's from California, I must have only assumed perhaps that was the real issue. Let's read a little bit. They say the Alder family lasted just a year in Austin before moving to San Jose in September 2016, property records show, when their dreams of looking for a boost in lifestyle fell short of their expectations. Twitter users quickly pounced on Alder and said he was a hypocrite for his condescending and insulting article moaning about cedar allergies, terrible service, the lack of places to hike, and having to drive 40 minutes to a restaurant serving southern Indian food. His return to the Bay Area bucked the trend that has seen an exodus from the Golden State to the Lone Star State by Elon Musk and tech titans, including Hewlett Packard and the Oracle, as people are drawn to the lower cost of living. I mean, he actually looks like a fairly conservative family guy, right? Director of semiconductor business in a Japanese firm, pictured with his family, moved to from California to Texas. Thousands of people have fled California, New York, and other high-cost states for lower cost-of-living states like Texas and Arizona, as work-from-home policies during the pandemic have allowed people to seek greener pastures. They say for every one person that has moved out of Texas, the Texas state capital, 1.53 people moved in. But even before the pandemic, 687,000 Californians relocated to Texas in the last 10 years. U.S. Census Bureau data from 2010 to 19 showed Californian transplants made up about 13% of the entire population that moved to the state since over the last decade. So I wonder if this guy, look at this guy's got a beautiful house. Look how amazing this house was. It's kind of shocking to me this dude was upset by what he had. To me, that's crazy. 
They say, you know, they, they go over what we've already gone over. 40 minutes to get food. Another problem we have with Austin is the heat. Surprise, surprise. Texas is hot. You didn't know that before you moved there. Evening walks are less than refreshing when it's 11 p.m. and you're sweating. It's hard to describe how oppressive it is. <laughs> Look, man, I can't imagine this guy is a conservative from the Bay Area. I just can't. It, it really does seem to me that it's a liberal from from California's Bay Area moving to uh, I, I think I said San Diego. I, th- I think it was San Jose moving to Texas and then being like, this is awful, bro. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, dude. That's just, you know, entitlement is a big problem in this country. Let me just be completely honest. Too many people think they're owed things. I like to think about living in the middle of the woods and having nothing, not even any clutch beam, buck naked in the middle of the woods. You want to talk about oppressive. Okay. If here's, here's my mentality. If you're buck naked in the middle of the woods, no one's oppressing you and nothing is oppressive. Okay. That's nature. Zero. Welcome to nature. Now, if you have a pointy stick, now you're, now you're positive. Now you're not being oppressed. You're actually oppressing. You had a stick, you know, poke things and people maybe don't do that. Don't poke people with pointy sticks, but animals maybe go hunt. The way I view the world is, you know, humans lived in, in tribal communities, in, in horrifying conditions, barely surviving. People got on a boat, went across the Atlantic Ocean. Think about this. Think about what this guy's saying right now, what he's going through, right? Now, now imagine what this guy would be like if he was on, you know, the, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. I don't know if that was even the right reference, you know, whatever. Imagine he was on one of these colonial transport ships. He's in fancy, you know, London or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to relocate to good old new world. And then he lands and he's like, but there's nothing here. I can't, I can't even imagine. You know, when people came to the new world, a good portion of them died on the boat. And then they just like, I, I guess they would just chuck them off the boat. I got no idea. But people would just die on the boat. Some people, a lot of people would get scurvy from a lack of vitamin C. It was an arduous journey that could take months at sea. That's nuts. It's also kind of cool if you think about it, that that hurdle, the difficulty in getting to the new world made the new world so much more enticing and exciting and fun. You know, like I'm not I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to gloss over the horrifying things that came with it. You know, the war, stealing of land and all that stuff. The point is, you knew that not everybody could make that journey. and It was difficult. And when you got there, you didn't know what you'd get, but you were basically stuck there. What are you going to do about it? You need food for the return return trip. So your boat's there. It's there. The first people who came had to set up outposts, start farming and producing food. And then there's winter. So you had to store all this food and figure out how to preserve it to last you months in the winter. Otherwise, you're going to die. Too many people today, man. But Texas was hot and grow up, man. What are you looking for? Are you looking for Elysium so you can float in orbit in your magic space station with perfect weather all the time while the plebs sit down on Earth? It's, it's r- ridiculous to me how, how entitled, ridiculously entitled everyone is. So we, we talk about, I don't know if you guys, if you watch the TimCast IRL podcast, go to TimCast.com, become members, by the way. We talk about the book Ishmael. I've never read it. I guess it's about like a psychic gorilla that tells a guy that humans are destroying the earth or whatever. And we, we, we talk about that. We talk about the Great Reset. And the Great Reset, think about this. There's bad things to the authoritarianism, the Great Reset, 100%. But think about, you know, we, so I, I was talking to Jack Murphy we're talking about Ishmael saying people need to be uh, leavers, essentially. They need to produce more and, and, and plant trees for, for whose, whose shade they know they will not sit beneath. So then in 50 years, there's shade for the children, right? That's what we need more of. And I was like, the idea is basically get people to live back in nature. And, you know, Alex Jones described it as being more primitive and stuff. But I'm like, well, hold on, hold on a minute. 
Look, I get it. The authoritarianism is nuts. Telling people to give up their luxuries and their livelihoods is nuts. Mostly when the wealthy elites are consolidating power and not doing the same rules for thee, but not for me. But I think about it this way. You got these city folk who are becoming morbidly obese, not all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, Americans in general, let's be serious. And they and they complain all day about what they deserve and what they're owed and why you should pay taxes for them and things like that. And it's like, dude, how would you love to just see some of these people living on a farm? That's it. These socialists who believe that jobs are wrong. Go live on a farm, bro. There's a meme that goes around all the time from these lefties. And it's like wage slavery or starvation. That's not a choice. Someone posted this recently. A friend of mine posted this on Facebook. He's a lefty. And he said wage slavery or, or starvation is not a choice. It's a threat. And I'm like, dude, if you don't work, you don't eat. How about this? I will gladly buy a farm and let you just you can live there and, and, and do your thing. I don't care what you do. OK, you live on the farm. Guess what? They won't last. Because when they realize what real work means, then they're like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm not a fan of poverty. I like the idea of a Star Trek future where replicators can just make everything. But we're not there. We can't replicate things. So here's, 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 here's what really bugs me. You know that minimum wage makes you one of the wealthiest people in the world. But they complain about it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I like the idea of, you know, uh, people who, you know, low skilled workers getting enough to sustain themselves. And just because we're wealthy doesn't mean we're well off. You might be able to have an air conditioner or a refrigerator and that'll keep you alive. A lot of people die in heat, but you need health care, too. OK, you need basic food and nutrients and not everybody can get it. It's not super easy. So there's it's not so easy to say just because the, the poverty line here in this country still makes people wealthy. It does. I don't want people to be living in poverty. Let's just be, be clear about that. But it's remarkable to me how little appreciation there is from the left to the luxury they live in. Do they want to just live on yachts and be super wealthy? Well, bro, it, it comes with hard work. You know, I know a lot of people who work minimum wage jobs and are happy. They share apartments. They go skateboarding every day. And that's all they care about. And they're making like 10 bucks an hour wherever they live. And it's more than enough to pay their bills. And their job is remedial but mindless. I've had people tell me that they prefer mindless jobs over mindful work. You know, it, what I mean by this is there are certain jobs like this job I'm doing right now where the entirety of my being is consumed. Every thought in my mind is consumed. All that I am, the physical work, which is not as arduous as a lifting rocks or anything like that, but the, the work that I do in setting up the channels and then the, the mental labor as well consumes all of my being. I had a friend tell me he worked, uh, he did mindless like grunt labor, and he said he prefers it because he says his mind is free. And I, I couldn't relate to it. I couldn't. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I, would, I would like that. Like I'd feel trapped, like doing this remedial labor. And he was like, I don't get paid a lot of money, but while I'm lifting and moving things, I'm thinking about all of these things. I'm thinking about the things I enjoy. I'm thinking about movies and books. And he was like, just the stuff I want to do. And my mind is totally free while my body just does the work. And I was like, that's a really interesting point. Some people prefer things others don't. So look, I'll just wrap this up. I don't know if this dude's a liberal or conservative or whatever. I just think it's hilarious that his approach to it was very much like shock and dismay. It wasn't all. Look, if you wrote, hey, I'm a California liberal and I moved to Texas. Here's my thoughts on it. And you weren't a jerk about it. I'd be like. Interesting point of view. Good advice for those who might want to move there. But he, he was fairly condescending and like shocked, like a harumph. Oh, he got the heat. Yeah. 
Most people live like this. Most people aren't in the Bay Area with enough money to afford, to afford living there. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's another story about entitlement, my friends. But hey, I'll tell you this. It's fun to get back to cultural issues and not politics for once, isn't it? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. It's a different channel from this one. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.